0: I want to be in the light. Or as you are pump in up the, the light.
1: Volume. Or pump up the volume. Okay.
0: I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Okay, stop. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from Sandals Church and Pastor Matt Brown, bringing real answers to tough questions. I'm Justin Party, hanging out with my friend Stephanie, Supersport Schaefer.
1: Stephanie Schaefer.
0: And we got PMB, Pastor and Matt Brown. I still don't love
2: Super Sport, but I'm the yeah, PMB.
0: I'm sticking with it. What's a better, I mean, the other, the SS? SDS. SDS. Stephanie Dolores Schaefer. Oh, SDS.
1: Well, legally, I'm Stephanie Keen Schaefer, but.
0: Mm. Dolores, no, you're not. I let That's, Dolores the, the go. The law's wrong. I, let, I thought the law. I let Dolores die. Mm-hmm. Dolores never dies. Yeah, we keep yeah. her on. In our, we keep her on in our hearts, dude. Okay. We we serve a God of resurrection. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, hey, we have got a great show of all kinds of many money topics. Specifically, money, many, to- many. We have many money topics to cover today. Actually, one topic is just money.
1: Yes, that's right. Pastor ha. Matt talked about money in his sermon during back to school this weekend. So we have so so so. I coffee.
0: This is my third. Yeah, cup. you can tell. Mm-hmm. I did spin class this morning. Wow. See, we're both bringing our A game in different ways. Good for you guys. All um, right. Three cups of coffee and I'm spinning. I'm still spinning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, gosh. Well, our debrief support team was out at all of our Sandals Church locations this last weekend, signing up new people for the show. So if this is your first time listening to the debrief, welcome, friends. We're so glad Indeed. that you are joining us. We've got a great show in store. We're excited that you're here.
0: Yes. Welcome to the green side, uh, the other side of the fence where everything is bright. And um, yeah, we're, we're glad to have you.
1: Yeah. Are you just making awkward eye contact with him on YouTube right now?
0: Nope. Should we do some reviews, some feedback?
1: Let's absolutely do some reviews and feedback. You guys,
0: one of our most favorite things to get here on the show are five-star reviews and feedback, and we've got some awesome ones. Stephanie, you got to do the first one because of the title. It's unfair for me to read.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, this is how I spend most of my day at work is because PRD said so, they give a (laughs) five-star review. Uh, this one we'll comes from, from T-Zog.
0: T-Zog, T-Zog, dude. who says,
1: for real though, despite Justin Pardee plugging the five-star review like a madman, tell us about it. Mm-hmm. The debrief is worthy of five stars. I'm on the road a lot, driving around the IE, and the highlight is always Wednesday when I get to listen to an hour of comedy and wisdom. There's mm-hmm. nothing quite like the debrief. Thank you for this Christ-centered, God-enriching show.
0: Listen, Tzog says he gave that five-star review despite my constant nagging. I believe he only did it because of the nagging. So just check yourself, check your own heart, maybe do some introspection, sign up for some soul care. We have another one from Amy Brake. Don't do that if you're driving right now. Uh, She says, makes my day better. do Do you guys remember the commercials speaking of making my day better? When I was a small child, probably not a small child, teenage elementary, they had commercials for these things called Australian Toaster Biscuits, which was basically like Australia's competition to English... Muffins? Did, did you guys have like
1: stolen cables?
0: Or- <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, no, Australian—they're called Australian toaster biscuits—and then they would show these amazing, tasty little Australian toaster biscuits to English kids. Put them in a commercial, and you'd have like this little British boy being like, "Where's all the nooks and crannies?" Was it maybe, action- maybe
2: next week? Just two cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's. <laughs> no, this one. Did it was never actually forget- an
1: English muffin commercial?
0: No, it's a it's an Australian toaster biscuit. They're saying these are so much better. And this little this one little girl, she goes, makes me mouth water." It was so awesome. Anyways, make this this review makes me day better. All right. The debrief has probably single-handedly saved my life from death by boredom. Amen. Yeah, we got you. I have a job that starts at With 5.30. the exception the- of that
2: commercial you just gave for <laughs> yeah. a product that probably doesn't nope. even exist. Right
0: now, everyone is going on YouTube looking for this commercial, and I guarantee you it's going to brighten up their day as if it could be any brighter than the wisdom that's about to come their way. I have a job that starts at 5.30 in the morning is physically challenging, but for the first two hours, it's mind-numbingly tedious. The debrief challenges my mind while your banter makes me laugh. Thank you for making the hardest part of my day a bit better and uh, seemingly a bit quicker from I'm so Amy. I'm
1: curious to know what Amy does for a job.
0: Yeah, Amy, let us know. Yeah, send, Grecian, question send a question
1: at debrief.show. We'd love to just know what you do.
2: Great. All right. It's super cool. I met this guy um, at back-to-school night who is the uh, general manager at uh, Best Buy. Oh. Yeah, and so he was just like, just singing the praises of this thing. He's a really cool dude.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So if you uh, need help subscribing to the show, just stop by the Geek Squad, I guess, and ask somebody, and uh, they will help you out. Okay, Pastor Matt, before we jump into some questions, you watched a movie on the iTunes store last night that's, uh, speaking of money, a great deal, a 99-cent movie rental.
2: Yeah, it's 99 cents. I think it's by Martin Scorsese, which he's a little weird. Um, but the movie is about uh, Christian missionaries to... Japan. And so- It's if called you, Silence? Yeah, it's called Silence. And so if you if you, you grow up in liberal America, everything about uh, missionaries to uh, third world countries is all about colonial colonialism. Um, and it's really, really in a negative light. And so what Martin Scorsese does really well is I think he really portrays the sincerity of the faith of those who gave up everything to share the gospel in Japan. It is a brutal moody, movie. Um, I, I mean, there were p- parts where I was just crying, uh, parts where I was just just terrified, heartbroken with what missionaries went through. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to spoil it, but there are are Christians that are faithful and there are Christians that lose their faith. And both are awful. Mm. Watching those who are faithful to the very end being tortured and just literally brutalized in death. It's Mm. awful. And then others who abandon the faith. I mean, they literally walk away from Jesus and renounce their faith in Christ. And that's what they had to do in Japan to remain alive. And it's just heart wrenching, but I think it's challenging. It'll cause you to look at your own faith and what we go through in the very, very small levels of persecution. You know, like for me, I I get annoying comments and negative feedback. And I'm looking (laughs) at these people being starved, brutalized, beaten, beheaded, crucified. I mean, the Japanese were thorough in trying to root out what they considered to be an an infection in their pure uh, culture in that time. And uh, I didn't realize how many Japanese initially responded positively to the gospel. Hmm. So
1: hmm.
2: I need to brush up on my Japanese history, but it was pretty amazing.
0: So that's a PMAT recommendation, movie yeah. recommendation. Yeah, like if Sounds you like a definite get a let's bowl go. Of
2: popcorn and, and just some Kleenexes because it will be challenging. But I, again, it's made by Hollywood. I was really, really surprised. And again, be prepared to watch people die for their faith and be prepared to watch people walk away. And ultimately, that's what happens in life. Mm. You know, some people are willing to give it all for Jesus, and some people, when it when the rubber meets the road, they're not willing to give anything for Jesus. So check out that movie. It's ninety nine cents.
0: Yeah, there you go. Good a deal. bowl of popcorn and a, a box of Kleenexes also needs to be present every time Lindy and I have a real conversation together. Mm. It's crucial. Crucial ingredients. Okay, so we uh, before we jump into the money questions, it's time for follow-up where we're going to ask questions about answers to questions. Pastor Matt, you ready for? So my
2: answers cause more questions.
0: Yes, Yes. here we go.
1: All right, so Jenna wrote in and she says, I know you mentioned the last two weeks have been rough in the criticism department. And as a teacher, sometimes I have some difficult critics for students or parents. I really want to learn to be able to grow from criticism because I know that I'm far from perfect. But how do we navigate through criticism that we should listen to and the criticism we should ignore?
2: Okay, great question. Thank you for that. See, listen, I think all of us have a threshold of criticism that we are able to manage, and so... You know, anytime you are you have a platform, you're going to be criticized. If you don't want to be criticized, do nothing, say nothing, own nothing. That's just the reality. You, you literally can't do any of those three things. Otherwise, you're going to be criticized.
0: And a platform doesn't just have to be like what you have on the no, weekends. Yeah. A platform can be, you know, standing on the other side of a counter from somebody during a retail experience. Yeah, and just be
2: prepared for all of you who are, you know, aspiring to have a social media platform. If you get big enough, you're going to get trolls and they're going to come after you that's just the reality so you need to be prepared so like i said teachers are brutally criticized in our society a we don't respect them and b we don't value the information that they are you know giving us right, and so and, right. and we need to and that's just part of the problem in our society is we've not done well respecting those who are in authority above us and um, whether you're left or right or whatever it's just it's just a problem so the first thing is just kind of understand your threshold for criticism because i don't think once we get past what we can handle we, we can't even Handle honest feedback. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I got. I just, I get to the place where I feel like I just have this emotional sunburn and any amount of touching just is painful and awful. And so that just kind of piled up. So when I'm healthy and when you're healthy, I think you need to ask two questions. Number one, is it truthful? Mm -hmm. And then if it is, you know, listen to it and change what you need to because we're never going to change unless people are willing to speak truth into our lives. And so just ask yourself, okay, am I willing um, to hear this? And so I got some criticism actually from one of my kids this week. Uh, after the message and I was kind of like, ugh, but I'm recovering from my sunburn. But ultimately I I needed to hear what my daughter was saying because she felt like I was overly critical of millennials and, and young people. And if you're under the age of 25, look, I love you. I care for you. I wanna challenge you. Unfortunately, you've grown up and not been challenged. And so any kind of challenging or teasing feels bad. And uh, I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to be a good follower of Christ. So I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Hang in there. Um, I'll try to be more positive. So I had I had to listen to that and Mm -hmm. I had to listen to that feedback, but it but it was on a Sunday afternoon, and that's not usually the best time for me to receive uh, criticism or immediately following the message for all of those of you who love me. So maybe save that for later and share it with uh, just asking.
0: Just asking for a friend. When is the best time for you to receive criticism? Tuesdays. Okay, Stephanie. Tuesdays.
1: <laughs> perfect, <laughs> yeah, per-
0: perfect. Yeah. Stephanie's got a list for you uh, yeah. after the show. Yeah, so, um, so you know, is
2: it true? And then listen, and then what can you change about it? And then the next thing is, is it not true? And really, really press into this. And oftentimes what we do is we go to our friends who are not going to be any more truthful with us than mm-hmm. we want to be with ourselves. Because your friends don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, It's like when my wife asked me, does this look good on me? That's always a dangerous question. Sure. So we've really had to work through, do you want honest feedback or not? Because- you know, some things look good on some people and they don't look good on others. They don't accentuate the physique that God's given you and some things look, look great. And so we've had to work through that. Um, and I've had to work through that too. Hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, I, I want some honest feedback. And so that's the biggest thing is surround yourself with people that you know love you and will give you honest feedback. So, and if it's not true, forget it and move on. And so those are the two things that I would um, really, really challenge you to do. And so, you know, when people are criticizing you as a person, Man, I I usually would let that go. You know, when people just say Matt Brown is Mm -hmm. okay, just let that go. But if Matt Brown said something or done something, those are things I need to look at Mm -hmm. and I need to uh, evaluate it because I can change that and I can say, Hey, I'm really sorry for what I said or what I did. But it's hard for me to apologize. You know, for who I am as a person. Like, if someone doesn't like me, how do I how do I work through that? How do I change me? But if someone says, Hey, when you do this, it makes me feel. I can work through that.
0: Yeah. So. I think that's one of the advantages of advantages of being in a small group here at Sandals Church is that you get plugged into and connected to these kind of relationships. And I've been around enough that I've been in enough different small groups that there are a lot of people in my life who, you know, there's a few who know me very, very, very intimately, but there's a lot of people who know me really pretty well. So if I get criticism or even a challenge in a particular area, I can almost go to somebody who's got an area of expertise. I did, And I actually did that this morning on the way to work. I saw somebody at a coffee shop, an older Guy who I respect uh, uh, his wisdom a ton. And I said, Here's something I've been thinking about. Is d- this is an area of expertise for you? Does that make sense? Right. Um, and it was really, really helpful. So, yeah,
1: I've actually got a follow up question for you. You mentioned that sometimes criticism can get overwhelming. You kind of get that sunburn of like, if one more person says one more thing, how do you go about kind of recovering from that and getting back to a place where you can receive criticism again? Yeah.
2: So, what that means is uh, I'm out of balance. So, right now it's kind of weird. So, I went through this lull. And I'm in the book of Jeremiah. And if you haven't read the book of Jeremiah, like he's, he's totally depressed, sad. He's called the weeping prophet. So part of that I feel like is my encouragement right now is coming from a really, really depressed guy. And so that's not to say don't read Jeremiah. I think you should read Jeremiah because he's the most real of any person in the Bible other than Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then probably Paul, Paul's third. So he's the most authentic about how he, he's feeling. He doesn't just communicate the message that God gives him. He also communicates how he feels about it. And that's incredible. What a gift. And sometimes our faith is difficult to live out. So I feel like part of that's true is I'm going through Jeremiah and it's it's just really, really difficult. You know, there's some beautiful passages, in, the, in there, some really, really bold predictions about the coming Messiah and, and how we're hoping in that, but some really, really dire things. And um, so I think that's part of it. I think also it's just, it's the natural flow of things. Um, you know, I got to speak at Saddleback Church. And so that's the other thing is, is I am an emotional person. So if you come to hear me preach and you like me preaching, I am not boring on stage, right? That's not who I am. So uh, people that are like super like, um, what's, the, what's the word when they communicate and it's just like the monotone, monotone right? Those people don't probably have a, a lot of downs because they don't have a lot of ups. And so I'm just one of those persons that's all over the place emotionally. And so I just have to check myself. I have to go get rest um, and I have to, to feed my soul. And so for me, um, it's just taking a step back uh, my wife and I went up to the mountains, you know, just try to, try to do some things. We're away from everybody. We shut off our phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just shut off my phone because uh, some people, you know, because of technology, people have, you know, 24, seven access to us. And so you just got to get away and hang out. And my wife and I, we just went on a, a little boat ride up at Lake Arrowhead and it was just so peaceful and relaxing to just sit for an hour. And um, you know, that's what Psalms forty six ten says, be still and know that I'm God. And so I just had to walk through that and, um, you know, we are, you know, I, I pastor a, a mega church. I have a big family, two kids going to college, one son going to high school. Teenagers are challenging, life's tough. Um, and so we had to work through that. So Tammy and I just needed to get some time away and I needed to process and I need to work through that. So, so that's what I would do is figure out what refreshes you as long as it's not sin, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't go do something sinful because um, some of you run to porn, some of you run to drugs, some of you run to spending, some of you run to eating, <clears throat> So, I'm looking at you.
0: I know I looked so, away. Yeah. I looked away. So,
2: so 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 do something that's healthy and something that actually fulfills you and and something that's beautiful. So, so run to that. And so that's what I
0: do. Well, oh, thanks for that follow-up question, Jenna. Yeah. We love questions about answers to questions. I'm trying, right. the, I'm trying the monotone thing to see if it Yeah, don't work. do that. No? yeah, No.
1: But the conversation doesn't have to stop here, guys. So anytime you have some follow-up questions on what you hear on the show, we would love to get those questions on. You can always send those in at debrief.show or by sending us a message on Facebook.
0: Speaking of questions, it is time to debrief the sermon. We went back to school on finances this weekend. You talked about learning to be wise, and we've got... We've got a literal pile. Uh, We've got a gazillion. I'm trying to think of a money term. A gazillion. Mm, um, We've got a a taped wad of bills full of questions and all financially related. No, there's no money term for a large quantity of things. I've always wanted to do that.
2: You know, like a drug dealer just have like a, just like a wad of hundreds, Mm -hmm. but that's not. That's not how pastors roll. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. So I got a lot of bills. This first question actually came from our uh, good old friend, the discussion guide at the bottom of the sermon. And yes. uh, question number four on there says, are you content with your current financial situation? Why or why not? Pastor Matt, we're pushing that over to you.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, there's there's always room to make a little bit more money. And so for me, um, what I look at is, is how can I do that? And so for me, it's just, you know, can I speak someplace else? Can I do some writing? Um, you know, how am I able to do that? And so I think we all need to think critically and ask ourselves, okay, if I'm not content and I need to make a little bit more, how can I do that? Ultimately, my contentment needs to come in, in Christ. But I don't think ambition is a bad thing if if your heart is not to love money and things, if your heart is to love God and give more. And so one of my wife and I's goals is that our largest check every single month would be to the church. So right now, our largest check is still our house payment. And so we're, we're, we're quickly approaching the day where the largest check I write every month will be to this church. And I'm super excited about that. I love this church. I love what we're doing. I love seeing people get real. And so that's my heart. And so my desire for more money is not for more things. It's to have more impact on the kingdom and to be able to bless people. And um, that's how I always think, you know, like when my kids are going to college, I don't I don't think, this is just how God wired me. I don't think, how do I get money for my kids to go to college? I think about, man, how do I, what could I do that could bless thousands of parents with money so their kids could go to college. Like that's just how God's wired me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a big thinker. Mm -hmm. I've always been that way. And um, you know, I think the kind of, you know, prayers that God blesses is, is, you know, those prayers that say, God, I want to do something good with my life and with my money. And I want to have an impact and, and I want to bless others. Uh, And for me, I want to bless others. I just, I just don't want to feed someone's stomach. I want to feed their soul. Like that's what I want to do. And I want to give to people and I want to see people blessed. And that's where the most meaning has come from my life. So, so I'm always looking for ways to, to make a little bit more money and, and generate a little bit more money. And, and I don't think it's the church's responsibility to do that. Like God's given me gifts and talents and, and I'm able to do some other things to make that happen. Like I said, I, I flipped a couple houses. We've done some investments. Um, you know, we, we, we've, Purchase a couple of properties. And, you know, some things have worked and some things haven't, but the Lord has blessed us. And I've, I've been able to be consistently wise with my money. And um.
0: Yeah. You know what? One of the things I love about that goal you just said about making your largest check towards the church is that it, uh, like, that's really going to keep you in check long-term, you know, like as you grow and income increases, like you would think, I think a lot of us do like, Hey, we could afford a nicer house or this or that, mm-hmm. but that particular goal is going to, would limit you and saying, we, even though we could afford it, we're not necessarily going to upgrade because we want to keep... Um,
2: yeah, a guy really impacted me. Um, when I first started ministry, I was in Huntington Beach and uh, one of my good friends, uh, Brent, there at the church, I'll never forget it. So he was a young guy at the time, probably, probably about your age, mm-hmm. uh, mid thirties. And I was early twenties. And he just said, he said, my prayer is that my tithe will pay your salary. I couldn't believe that. Mm. We we're in this community group, small group. And that was his prayer. He wanted to make enough money so he could cover the entire expense of ministers and pastors, mm-hmm. and eventually the whole staff—like that was his dream. His dream was to be able to make enough money that he could provide for his ministers and pastors. And a couple weeks ago, you know, we, we looked at that—you know, all the verses on honoring your teachers and those mm-hmm. who teach you the truth. They should share in all good things. And it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to do. That I love to be able to take staff out to dinner, missionaries out to dinner, and to be able to bless people who serve the Lord. That's my greatest joy. My greatest joy is 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 just. Blessing people financially, I just enjoy doing that, and I got that idea from this rich guy in Orange County that's who cool. said the driving desire of his heart wasn't a bigger house, wasn't a better car. It was to take care of his church, and oh, he and I are still friends. I mean, it's been twenty five years; we're still friends. I've, I've watched him through the ups and downs of you know his financial roller coaster, but he has always remained faithful to the church, and that's just such a beautiful thing. So mm-hmm.
1: awesome! That's cool. All right, this next question comes from. To Jesus there who says she's been watching your sermons online for the past 5 weeks and the question I have is about whether I should only give to the church is giving to a family member or a friend who has a need still tithing that is honoring god.
2: Yeah, so I get this question all the time and really so thank you for thank you for your question, but the question really comes from biblical ignorance. Benevolence, giving to those who are in need and tithing are different things we give to the Lord. So my offering is to God. And specifically in Deuteronomy, it says to the place where his name is honored. And so charity is not generosity to God. It's it, it's it's considered two separate things. So people ask me all the time, hey, listen, this family's in need. I'm gonna give them a check um, instead of the church. And here's the reality. If everybody would give to the church, we could write those checks to those families. But mm-hmm. people decide to give everywhere else. And so the church is constantly struggling because- and, and here's what it really comes down to is people want the gratification and then the glory for helping someone else. When, what I want is, and what Tammy and I want is we want God to get the glory. So I want to give all my resources to the church so that the church can meet that need. Yep. I love to you know, sit down with a single mom who can't, who can't write uh, the check for uh, rent that month for multiple reasons. I love single moms. Um, my heart goes out to you. You guys are working so hard and I love to be able to say, hey, let the church, and I always say this, let the church take care of this, this month. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let let God take care of this. I never say me because I want God to get the glory and I want his church to be honored. And that's my heart and that's my desire is that is that God would get the glory and God is glorified through the church. And so uh, I just think that's really, really important. And it's something that we do. Um, I think that you should be able to do both. Um, and so I give to the Lord, and occasionally I give to benevolence. Tammy and I also give to missionaries. So we do three things: we have charity, uh, we have so that's generosity to poor people. We have our tithe that we give to the church, and then we also have our missions giving. Mm-hmm. And again, what I want is is I want the amount of money that I give every single year of my life to increase yep. and to grow. And man, that's just been such such a blessing for me. Um, and and so that's what I would encourage you to do: giving to family is not giving to God. That's actually a responsibility that you have. Mm-hmm. So, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. And if you don't know who Peter and Paul are, they're two apostles in the Bible. And that's just an old saying you can't rob God to pay somebody else. So, what you need to do is you need to orchestrate your finances so you can have a little extra and you can help people out in a time of need. Like, for example, what's happening in Houston. I'm not going to take away from Sandals to give to Houston. Right. Why would I do that?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, Think about that. Well, You know, that's the same philosophy. Well, I'm not going to make my house payment so I can make my electric bill payment, or I'm not going to pay my house payment so I can pay you know my Vegas trip payment, right? You, you don't do that. You need to sit down, get in the finance class, be honest with what you can afford, and start moving forward in that direction. And so, give to God what is God's, and that's what Jesus says: "Render to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God's, to God's, <laughs> to God what is God's." And so we need to do that. And so don't rob one to pay the other. And so I know some of you guys are in a bad financial situation. You didn't get there overnight. You're not going to get out of there overnight. Right. But don't rob God to pay someone else. Just don't do that. And Tammy and I, I mean, I remember specifically one year, we didn't have enough money for diapers. We had two kids, both in diapers and diapers are expensive. Those of you who haven't been there in a while, they cost a lot of money and you get to use them once, right? (laughs) You know, they're all crapped out, literally. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And, it was just really, really difficult. And I just remember, I told my wife, she was crying. We, you know, We had started Sandals Church. We were dead broke. Nobody had any money. You know, No money was coming in. And I just said, this is one of those moments. And I'll never forget it. We wrote our tithe check, which at the time was about 200 bucks. And it was all the money we had, but we wanted to, to, to make that deal. And that week at church, we had one guy who had a job. His name was Grandpa Jack, or he actually didn't have a job. He's on retirement income. And he gave us a gift card that week to Kmart for 200 bucks. Mm. Do you know what Kmart sold?
0: Yeah, yeah. Diapers. Diapers.
2: Yep. So God was good. And, mm. and, and I was so grateful. And that was just such a huge moment for Tammy and I. And um, it was awesome. Mm.
0: You know, Stephanie knows this because she's in my community group, but we actually, Lindy and I, we had just had a kind of a really similar, amazing experience where we had extra income come in and we decided to um, support a family that's getting ready to go be missionary. And then as we're getting ready for back to school, we literally, we got an anonymous check in the mail Two weeks, two or three weeks ago. That's awesome. And it was just was right the day before we were trying to go back to school. And there was cash in there that covered the back to school expenses. Just totally amazing. Yeah. It's cool. 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 All right. This next question comes from Kelsey. Great sermon this week about money. Two years ago, my husband and I made a commitment to give 10% of every paycheck to the Lord. One question we asked ourselves though, should we be giving 10% of our paycheck before or after taxes?
2: Right. And so there are various opinions on this. And so here's the problem. So the principle of tithing comes from Israel in the Old Testament where they are tithing to the Lord, but they are also lives, living in a government that honors God and follows God. So we are not living in a, a, a theocracy. God is not the president of the United States. So we live in a government. Um, and if you're like me, they take a considerable amount of your, your income. They do. And so mm-hmm. the problem is it's it's impossible to figure out what to do. And so you know, if we had a letter to to those in Babylon who are you know, having to pay those taxes. And so here's what I would say. You need to go before the Lord as a couple and say, God, what do you want from us? And I believe God will give you a sense of peace about either. But anybody who's legalistic about it should be before taxes or after taxes. There's just not biblical evidence for that. And so um, just really, really pray about it as an individual and say, God, I want to honor you and I want to honor this principle. And just know for me, Tammy and I believe that 10% is a starting place. Now, some of you, there's no way you can do that. But that's where Tammy and I started. It's not where we finished. We don't feel like 10% is the cap. And so um, just really, really go to God and say, God, I, I want to be generous and I, I want to bless you and answer me in this. What are we specifically to do? I can tell you this. If everybody in our church tithes after taxes, we would be rolling. Mm -hmm. and we're not rolling because the vast majority, I think about 26% of our church gives on a regular basis. Now, before you're super critical, remember a lot of people that come are not believers and that's okay. And we don't want their money, God wants their hearts. So the most important thing is their soul. So don't be critical of all the people present on the weekends because we're all at different places on our, on our walk with God. Some of us haven't even started it yet. So I would just sit down and really, really pray about, but I've looked at it. It's just really, really difficult to definitively say before taxes or after taxes. I will say this, that the Bible talks about first fruits. Now, some people say that means that we should pay God with ultimately what we make. What I believe is it doesn't necessarily mean that what it means is we should pay God first and not last. Mm -hmm. So God should get your first check, not your last check. And so that's the principle of that. I don't pay God with leftovers. Remember we talked about we eat leftovers. (laughs) <laughs> but we get give God our first yeah and um You know,
0: what Lindy and I have done, we've just tried to keep it simple. So we do after tax because I I know what that number is. I see it when it comes in and it's easy for me to do the math. And if Mm -hmm. I make it any more complicated, we could very easily forget. And we've been able to automate it by doing it that way. Mm -hmm. But then we also, like when we get a, if we get a a tax refund, which we have the last two years, we're going to tithe on that thing too. And and, and that's
2: key. So just, just remind yourself of that. If, if they choose that, when you get that tax refund, that's now income that you've not tithed on. And Mm -hmm. so you need to make sure that you do that. So That's important. Whereas if you're the other way and you tax before, you know, you don't need to tax Mm -hmm. or you don't need to tithe on your refund because you've, you've already taxed on 100% of what you got. And and the government's simply giving some of that back. Now, certainly you're able to do that if you want to, but.
0: Yeah, we do it this way because I'm barely good enough at math to keep my family (laughs) from going poor, uh, from going broke. So that's, that's why we do We just did it to keep it simple.
1: Fair enough. All right. This next question comes from Ryan. He says, when my wife and I got married, we combined all things financial and I became the primary overseer of our monthly bills. This includes our tithe. Recently though, after talking with my wife, I came to realize that I'm more or less robbing her of the personal experience of tithing. What are some ways you could recommend that we could each experience giving, but also have have it be something we're doing together? Or is giving together even an important thing to try to achieve?
2: Well, I, I don't know that I fully understand the question. So he's paying the bills, so he's writing the tie check. So here's mm-hmm. what I do: is if my kids are ever sitting with me in church, I have them put it in the offering plate because I want them to I want them to see it and them to participate in it. My wife doesn't care about the bills; she never thinks about it twice because I handle all of that. So, mm-hmm. but if she came to me and said, "Hey, I, I feel like I want to be a part of this," then I would just give the check to her every mm-hmm. single week and say, "Hey, turn it in." So, but you know, I don't even turn a check in during the week. Ours goes through Bill Pay. And it comes to the church. I don't, I've never even seen the check. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I have no, I don't even know what it looks like. Um, but, uh,
0: one, so. one thing Christina Crowley, who was leading worship here at Hunter Park this last weekend, did when she she was uh, doing the call to offering after the sermon, and she just quickly said, "Hey, some of you guys automate your giving, and you don't write the check just like us." She's like, "Don't just pass the blue bucket by; just grab onto it, hold on to it for a quick second, and say a prayer." And you can either say a prayer of thanks, um, a prayer yeah. of blessing, or and then she even encouraged people, "Man, why don't you say a prayer for other people who are wanting to move to this place where they're honoring God?" You know, yeah. that could be you know that that could be an option for you. Guys Christina well. Crowley so wise. She, she is. She is. She's got that husband too. Okay, so here's a question. What if, so it sounds like Ryan and his wife are kind of on the same page here. What if you have a husband and a wife who are not on the same page when it comes to giving to the church or tithing or uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I would say
2: a lot of couples aren't on the same page about finances, period. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not just giving to the church, spending at the mall, the kind of car that you drive. And so finances is one of those issues that is extraordinarily difficult to work through. And so the first thing that you need to do is sit down and have a conversation. An open, honest conversation, because you know, a lot of times when Tammy and I talk about all kinds of issues, we're not on the same page, and so we have to be able to work through that and navigate that.
0: When we have Tammy on an upcoming show, we'll just let's go through a list of all those areas where you're not on the same page. Yeah, no, that let's, let's not do that. So, <laughs>
2: um, so, just know that it's very, very difficult. You know, it's easy to love each other when you agree; it's difficult to love each other when you disagree, mm, and so that's yeah. that's where we have to sit down and just really, really say, "Okay, here's how I'm feeling." And you got to take the emotion out. You got to take the anger out and you got to talk about the issue. Don't talk about each other. And so mm. the reality yeah. is, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. about the issue. Don't talk about each other. Yeah. And so here's how I'm feeling. And so Tammy and I, you know, she grew up in a home where her parents did not go to church on a regular basis. So tithing was never talked about. Yeah. I grew up in a home where I tithed as a kid. Yeah. I mean, literally I got a dollar allowance. I put a dime in the envelope and turned it into the church. My parents taught me that. Uh And I'm very, very grateful for that opportunity. And so it was a beautiful thing. So we had to talk about that because 10% 10 of our income when we first got married was a lot of money for us. And it was very, very difficult. And so we had to work that out. Ultimately, she was on board, wanted to honor God after she understood the biblical principle. And by the way, I don't think that, we are mandated to tithe as born-again Christians. I think we're blessed by tithing. And so just know we're mm. saved by grace, not by yes. works. So I don't want any questions about, I thought we weren't under the law, we're you know under the law, but we're under grace. We are under grace, but I think why wouldn't you want to do what God blesses? I need my money to be blessed. I want my money to be blessed. Mm-hmm. God promises in Malachi that he blesses tithing. So I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of money. I need it all blessed. Mm-hmm. So I do that and we made that decision. So here's what I would say is, is sit down and talk about finances and have an honest open conversation. Look, some people are never going to agree and let me just tell you the issue isn't money, the issue is selfishness. That's what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have conflicts that are not resolved in the in marriage, it's because it's not a, a marriage problem, it's a selfish problem. That's mm-hmm. just the, that's the bottom line. And so you just have to be willing to say, "Okay, I am super selfish in this area." I, and, and ultimately, you may have to get to the place where as a couple, you agree to disagree. And what you do is you split your finances. I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's, it's a fail, but for the health of the marriage and the safety of the marriage, maybe you do separate finances and you agree, you pay these, I pay that. Uh, but sometimes, man, that doesn't even work because somebody's so bad at finances, yeah. then they don't pay those things. I mean, it's a real issues. So there are some times where you can't agree to disagree because if you have somebody that's literally... Ruining their credit, ruining your credit, not paying. I mean, that's a sin that needs to be confronted ultimately because it's 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 stealing from the family. Yeah. Their selfishness is stealing from the family. So take the class, understand some biblical principles, understand what God wants to teach you about money. And let's just be honest. Most of us were not raised to be wise with money. We're we're just not. Our culture is not honest about money. Um, We don't buy things that we can afford. We don't want to be held accountable for our stupid decisions when it comes to money. We want somebody else to pick up the tab and pay for it. We learned that, you know, during the 2008 crisis, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody else who didn't blow it has to pay off those who did. It's just really tragic how our culture lacks accountability when it comes to finances. And uh, so, so, so be that way. But ultimately for a season, you know, as you work through it, maybe you just say, okay, well, I'm gonna tithe on, on on what I make. And so, especially if you have a spouse that's not a believer, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you, I think that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You can't force your non-believing spouse to give to the church. I, I don't think that that's honoring them. right? You Cause God doesn't want money that's given by force. He wants money that's given out of love because mm-hmm. of his grace. And so that that's what he wants. And so God loves a, a hilarious gear, gear, giver and cheerful giver. So have a real conversation. And by the way, dating couples start talking about money now, because mm-hmm. you're going to fight over it. it. It's going to happen. There's going, you're two different people. You're going to be on different pages from time to time. So learn to talk about that. Learn, you know, to to really evaluate, hey, what's what's important to me? Because for some people, the car they drive is more important than their church. It just is. Mm-hmm. They don't want to say that, but it is. Where they eat out is more important. The clothes they wear is more important. The coffee they drink is more important. And And our money shows what we value. It does. Mm-hmm. It points to what we worship. It's why Jesus said, you can't worship both God and money. You gotta choose. You gotta choose. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's that's a real issue. So sit down, have an honest conversation and just say, hey, could we go get help? Could we go get help and sit down with somebody else? Because maybe if you're too hostile with each other, you can bring in a third party, a counselor through one of these classes that we offer at Sandals Church. And a couple that's been through it said, man, we've been there. But here's the other side. Here's what the other side looks like. Because once you get out of debt and once you start living on a budget, you have more money.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But when you're you're constantly broke, I mean, it's a mess. So so trust God's principle, trust God's truth, and he's going to lead you in a way to be better with your money. And so, um, man, just know that money is a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I always told my wife when we talked about it is I care more about you than I do about money. Mm
1: -hmm. So I want to
2: hear your heart. I want you to hear mine. And at the end, you know, I want to lead our household, you know, out of love and respect for who you are and what you are. And so um ultimately it came down for my wife and I, it was an issue of trust. Not just, you know, her her, her struggle trusting God, but her her struggle trusting me. Mm-hmm. And I had to earn that and be faithful totally. and be transparent and be open and be honest. So
0: Three practical tips before we move on based on things Pastor Matt just said. Number one, we have two finance classes at Sandals Church. The first one costs 10 bucks. It's called Finding Financial Freedom and it's one day. The other one is called Financial Peace University. It costs like a hundred something bucks mm-hmm. um, and that is like 12 nine weeks. N- nine weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, you can sign up for those online at our website. Do you know where that is? If yeah, not- we
1: actually made a short link to the page that has both of those classes at move.sc slash finances. We'll also throw that in the show notes this week. Perfect. But you'll find both of those listed with all of our other support groups here mm-hmm. at Sandals Church. Those two are also listed on that page
0: so you should totally get started there but then we also uh, offer marriage mentoring so you just talked about working this through with a couple that's gone down the road mm-hmm. that is an option that you can do here yeah. is the marriage page yeah
1: sandalschurch.com slash marriage we'll get you connected there too
0: boom if you got a problem just go to sandalschurch.com type slash and then whatever it <laughs> and is see what comes and up. see what happens <laughs> yeah. so there you yeah. go
1: that's right all right this next question comes in from annie moss also known as Anonymous. Um, It says, my husband and I got a little caught up in the American dream after getting married. In January, we started giving to Sandals on a weekly basis, but we're pretty much living from paycheck to paycheck between our various debts. Is it ever okay to stop giving to the church in order to focus on getting out of debt and paying off some of our poor decisions and then to start giving again?
2: Yeah, absolutely not. What I would encourage you to do is to get another job. Mm.
0: Hold on, I want to clarify something you just said because I like where you're going. A second ago, you said, we're not mandated to give. Mm -hmm. But we're blessed to be able to give, and now you're saying it's absolutely not okay because you're talking about if you want God's blessing, right? Yeah, yeah. you're not talking about if you want
2: God's blessing and you want God to bless the process. um, You know, I mean, what 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 giving what what giving does Jesus honor? It's the woman who gave all she had. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pay your bills. You need don't become homeless because then that becomes a challenge for the church. So make sure that you pay those bills, and and you and you may need to temporarily lower what you're going to give, but Mm -hmm. make sure that you give God something to show Him your heart. And so what I did, you know, I shared this story when we started out, you know, Tammy and I, well, not Tammy, I made some dumb financial decisions. What I did is I got a second job and that was really, really difficult, but that helped remind me not to make those stupid choices again. When I ask God to bail me out for my dumb decisions, I'm going to continue to make those dumb decisions. That's what the fool does. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk a lot about the fool because it's the most often quoted word in the book of Proverbs, the fool blames everybody else for their decisions. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we blame God for our stupidity. So I'm glad that you guys are willing to say, hey, we got caught up in the American dream. Look, everybody's caught up in the American dream and it's not a dream, it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. That's why our, our debt is trillions and trillions of dollars. So what I would do is say, hey, as a couple, you know, we're gonna get s- some second jobs. You say, well, that means we get to spend less time with each other. Yep, and that's a great way to remind yourself not to do this and uh, figure out how to get yourself out of debt. And Tammy and I have had to make some really, really tough decisions several times. But I tell you, man, getting out of debt is the greatest feeling in the world. It's Mm -hmm. so free. And uh, Tammy and I have had to work our way through that uh, a couple of times, probably three times in our marriage where we made some spending decisions based upon income that we thought was coming and then it didn't come and oh my goodness, that really, really derailed us. So so that's what I would say is, Sit down, come up with a plan. And you know, it's okay to have to work a little extra to pay off debt. There's nothing wrong with that. Make sure that you're on the same page and make sure it's temporary. Don't don't then go out and increase your spending because of your your new mm-hmm. wages. And so that's the thing that I see fools do all the time. They already spend the raise before they get it. Mm-hmm. That's what a fool does. Mm-hmm. I'm already spending the money before I get it. And so what I've tried to do over the years is every time I try to get a raise, I try to keep my spending the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then I'm able to have this this thing called savings, which no one has. Um, and, and the Bible says that we need, we need to have that and make sure that we can take care of ourselves because we can't be a blessing to others if we're a burden to others. And so make sure that you're in a position to take care of yourself. So
0: great question. So side note, that is the whole point of Financial Peace University is literally to teach you how to Organize all of this stuff and get out of debt and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, if it's 120 bucks for the couple or whatever, totally worthwhile investment. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Totally. Oh, hold on. This question comes from Justine. So I'm going to I'm gonna share it, read it in her <laughs> honor. What is the rule of thumb for tithing in college? I'm ner- in nursing school and my fiance is in medical school. We both have many loans and question how much we should tithe or if we should tithe at all since we don't necessarily have income during school. I understand that it is a blessing to receive loans as a gift from God to continue our education and therefore we should be intentional with what we give.
2: Yeah, I don't believe you should tithe at all on loans. Mm-hmm. That is not income. That is loans that you are using um, to put yourself through school so that one day you can be a blessing to the Lord. Do not tithe on school loans. We do not want that money. Um, You need to utilize that money for your education and to better yourself so that one day you can give to the church. So I would passionately disagree with any religious leader that says that you should tithe on loans. I think that is a bad, bad decision. Mm -hmm. So-
0: Man, there was a young guy when we were doing college young adult ministry together. Stuff I remember his his s- school situation meant he was not making income like this. Mm-hmm. So he said, um, "I'm going to make sure that I'm tithing with my time." So he said, "I'm so he volunteered a lot during the week because he had the capacity." Now I realize medical school and stuff makes yeah, that hard. Probably not. Possible. But I thought it was I thought it was a really cool thing when mm-hmm. he was saying, "I know that I can't do this, but I could do this yeah, to support That's a great point. I thought it was really really cool. So. Yeah.
1: All right, this next one comes in from Callie who says, I'm retired and have a small pension and social security. Am I supposed to tithe on these as they are income, even though I tithed on my gross salary when I worked? I do give to various ministries monthly, but I don't want to steal from God. Can you help clear this up for me? Yeah,
2: I would encourage you to give something so uh, and pray about it. So I, I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, obviously you need to be able to sustain yourself and pay your rent. And, and my heart goes out to those of you who are retired and older and living on fixed income. But I think that you don't want to rob yourself of the blessing of giving to the Lord. So give something to God, figure out what you can do. But yes, I do believe that retirement income is something that we should, we should tithe on. So I, I plan on doing that. Not only do I plan on tithing on my retirement, I'm going to uh, tithe on my estate. So when I die, uh, Tammy and I, probably, we're probably going to double tithe. At least 20% of our estate will go to Sandals Church and to further the gospel. And then 80% is going to go to my kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what I I believe in. Um, I, you know, I don't want to be in, in heaven thinking I gave all my money to my kids. I want to be in heaven knowing that one of my last acts upon death was that I honored God. So that's what I want to do. Um, You know, and and hopefully my kids will Uh, be excited about that because we've honored God in life and I want to honor God in death. And so I think that's a beautiful thing to do. And, um, yeah, and I've told my kids, if they're all total idiots, I'm giving it all to God. So, because (laughs) again, right. I I don't, here's what I tell my kids. I don't finance foolishness and I don't finance sin. I don't do those things. So you want to do those things. You are on your own. Hmm. Enjoy. So for now, yeah
0: <laughs> All right, this question comes from Derek, not his real name though it's in quotes. Yes. He says dear debrief dear debrief crew. And I don't think he's expecting any wisdom from you or us, yeah, Stephanie, no, just, to, just to be clear. <laughs> this is not an attempt at a gotcha question. This is sincere. My question is regarding two topics, marijuana and tithing. I'm a legal marijuana grower since last summer, and I was taken aback by Pastor Matt's comments a few weeks ago regarding the church's stance on the issue. I feel like Sandals has welcomed me, and I'm very grateful to watch online that I'm no longer a California resident. For the last year, I've planned with my wife to finally do our full tithe, plus more to make up for the years where I fell short. My daughter is heavenly evolved at the church, too, doing mission and camp trips, and I want to be able to sponsor other children who can't afford to do these activities in the future. So my question is, does the church still welcome my tithe when it is against the way I make my living?
2: Okay, so I I don't know that I'm against the way that you make your living. I'm against recreational use of marijuana. I I am against that. I think that marijuana uh, has some great benefits for people who are suffering. When my uncle was dying of cancer, he lived with us, and I encouraged him to smoke marijuana in our backyard. Every night, he he was in my backyard every single night smoking a joint. And I thought that was fine. And my wife and I, we totally agreed that. I did not go out there and smoke the joint with him because I was not dying of cancer. So I think that marijuana has wonderful benefits in certain situations. The problem is a lot of people, man, I don't know if you guys, but I have seen multiple times in California, I'm driving in the car and the person next to me smoking a joint while driving. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge, huge problem. And so addiction is an enormous issue in our culture. It's a real, real problem. And a lot of people, I'm telling you, they worship marijuana. They do. And we Mm -hmm. are called to worship God. I've said this over and over again, that the word for witchcraft in the Greek is pharmakia, where we get our English word pharmacy. And so there's something about a drug-induced stupor um, that that causes us to feel like we're having a spiritual experience. And look, you don't need drugs to get you to heaven. Jesus came from heaven to get you to God. That's what we need, and we need to worship him. And so marijuana is a mind-altering drug. It affects your mind, and it breaks my heart. So I, I'm okay, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that you're accountable. I don't know how you sell all these things or, or what that works. But at the end of the day, we need to be very, very clear as a church marijuana for recreational use is not okay. It is not okay any more than it's okay to be drunk. Like I'll have an occasional glass of wine. I do not get drunk. When I feel the effects of wine, I stop drinking every single time because I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to make a fool of my faith. I don't want to allow myself to to do stupid things. I just don't want to do that. And Again, a lot of young people today, they don't think anything's wrong with marijuana because they are letting culture determine their values. Mm-hmm. They're, le- they're letting culture drive what they think rather than Christ. And so we just need to say that. So um, I'm not opposed to the usefulness for marijuana. I think it has some benefits and I think it has a lot of le- lot less side effects than many of the drugs that we take um, from the doctors. And so I think marijuana has... Um, beautiful wonderful things that, that can help people for recreational use getting stoned because you just want to be stoned man that's not it's going to take away your drive it's going to take away your desires to work your desires to make a difference i mean you know being stoned that's just not that's just not what god wants so that's what i mean when i say that look i, I don't i don't know how marijuana is grown or not grown i am right. not an, i'm not an expert on what's legal or not legal i'm just saying I am for the use of marijuana to help people mm-hmm. when it harms people, which I believe recreational use harms people. I'm
0: opposed mm-hmm. to that. So, um, so on this last part, the, the in for Derek, he says, does the church still welcome my tithe? I man, I
2: I don't make a moral decision on the money that comes in. I have no idea. So if he's using it to help people, of course, we we welcome it. Yeah. If he's selling it to kids on the street, no, mm-hmm. go get a different job. That's yeah. ridiculous. Um, that's sin. You are causing young people to sin, and um, you know, don't worship it. I mean, it just breaks my heart. Right? People put crosses and marijuana leaves on their bodies. It's just like, good lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so that that's what I'm saying is, you know, if it's helping people, man, I'm for
0: it. God's for it. Mm. Cool. All right, this question comes from anonymous. Yeah,
1: we'll to the anonymous. Oh, anonymous. Yeah. All right, on the theme of financial giving, I would like to know how we as Christians should best respond to panhandling. I've always struggled with the issue wondering if I'm actually helping or hurting the person. So I've almost always chosen not to give for fear that it's going to be used to purchase alcohol or drugs. But now I'm beginning to see that maybe I've been sinfully judgmental of these people. What's your take on this issue, Pastor Matt?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm judgmental too. I'm really frustrated with, <laughs> I'm you. really, really frustrated with the way that we are helping homeless people. Cause I don't think we're helping them at all. I think we uh, continue it. And um, it's really, really sad. Uh, look in California, we got to deal with two issues, drug addiction and mental illness. And until we get real with those two issues, which I am all for helping, mm-hmm. all for helping uh, mental illness and drug addiction. I think we need to Look, go all in on helping those two issues, which again, which is why I'm against recreational marijuana use because a lot of people who are mentally ill use drugs. They use drugs to feel better and it doesn't help. It oftentimes hurts.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, or it might help them, might like help them feel like they feel better, but it doesn't help. Yeah, no, no. no. Their so, family, so, what marijuana and does, and lives. let me just say this even for like depression and anxiety,
2: marijuana only temporarily numbs it. What you need to do is get in counseling and work through your anxiety mm-hmm. and trust God. And so, so we're, we're, you know, anxiety is the result of you trying to be God in some area of your life. That's, that's what it is. So, okay, how do I, how do I hand this issue over to God? Um, so, um, yeah, I, I just don't, I, I don't, man. I, I just do not help panhandlers. Now I say that if God tells me to help somebody or, or to strike up a conversation. And and that's what I would say is don't, don't put money out the car, have a conversation and find out where they are, what they're doing, what's going on before, you know, because, Here's where here's the people that I want to help. I want to help the people that are in our church that are struggling, that are trying to do the right thing, that are trying to make the right choices. And you know that we have homeless people in our church that are working hard yep. to not mm-hmm. to not be homeless. Mm-hmm. And so am I gonna give my money to this random person on the street corner or am I gonna give my money to Shane? Mm-hmm. Like we all know who Shane is, right? Yeah. He's fighting, he's he's trying so hard. And he battles with drug addiction and mental illness. Mm-hmm. He, he's battling both of those issues, but he's here at church. He's trying so hard to do the right thing. And I feel like as a Christian, my money should go to him and I should help him. And so the issue is, is is who do we help? And so here's how it goes. First, your family, your, your biological family, then your spiritual family, the church. And then if you have something left over, go and do that. And just, just know that so much of what we're trying to do to help is not helping anybody. It's making worse. And so we have to deal with two issues, drug addiction and mental illness. And then, you know, we can deal with a lot of these other people that temporarily find themselves homeless. Those people are actually easy to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Can
0: I, I just want to say something for those of you guys who do give and support Sandals Church, you are making an impact in a real and serious way here. Like two things. Number one, Pastor Dan Zombardi, our executive pastor, he's serving on the mayor of the city of Riverside's like commission panel or something to end homelessness in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's invested in trying to solve that problem. No, number two, I think next week they have a, a meeting and they're actually sharing a story of one of the people that we have helped just like you talked about with Shane, over years and years and years, we've walked alongside him into a job, into a career, in, with a vehicle. Um, Sandals Church is being used as an example of helping mm-hmm. um, support uh, homelessness. We've got people who deal uh, support at the shelter, the food mm-hmm. shelter. But th- we don't get to celebrate and tell all these stories and stuff because it takes a long, long time to truly help somebody. Um, I just want you to know your church is involved and in mm-hmm. doing some really big things, um, but it's the hard, long work that's not like super fun and splashy and sexy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, channel Church is is working hard in this area. So
1: yeah, totally. All right, this next question comes from Annie Moss, and she says, I'm a stay-at-home mom of three. Our family of five lives in an 875-square-foot rental home. We tithe monthly, sponsor Compassion Child, and live as frugally as possible. This simple lifestyle has served us well, but I've had a few people and family members tell me that I'm losing out on financial blessings and not being a good steward by staying home to raise our three kids. I have a master's degree and the potential to more than double our income. Do you think there is truth or wisdom in their opinions? Am I not being a good steward by staying home?
2: Oh man, so I I think that here's the bottom line is what has God called you and your husband to? And that's what you guys need to pray about. First of all, let me say, I'm super grateful that you guys are living within your means. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you honor your husband and make sure that he feels like the income is enough because you guys have made this choice to to stay at home. At some point, um, you know, bills get bigger with kids. And at some point, I think your kids are gonna get to an age where you can do some work. And I would encourage you to do that at some point. But again, it's about a calling. If God has called you to stay home, then you need to stay at home. And again, make yourself open. What do we say? People are criticizing you. You know, is what they're saying true? You need to work yeah, through that. Yeah, go back that. to the beginning. Yeah, go back to the very beginning and work through that. You know, and it's impossible for me to say specifically what God has told you. You know, Tammy and I, uh, we, we had her stay home for a couple of years um, to get our kids through some things, but then some bills come up. And so now she works part-time at the church and, and that helps out uh, for us. So every family has to make that decision. And just remind yourselves, you know, that the Proverbs 31 woman works. So remember that. So, but that's not to say that if you're a stay-at-home mom, that that's not work as well. Man, it's it's a calling. What has God called you to? To do. And I mean, Lindy stays home, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's That's why I work two jobs. You guys have a bazillion kids. How many kids do you have? Four. Yeah. It feels like 4,000. Yeah. Four-ish. 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 Give or take the day. His kids move quickly. They do. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. So so just know that, you know, that's a personal decision and people are not allowed to make personal decisions for you. You need to do that. God gave you a brain. God wants you to exercise wisdom. And as long as you guys are okay, I mean, 875 square foot home, you know, that's small, Mm -hmm. but- Tammy and I's first home was not even that big. And we, yeah. we could have, existed yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, so so I, I understand that. So be who God has called you to be within the realm of scripture. So when someone says, well, God's called me to do this and it doesn't line up with scripture, that's a problem. God mm-hmm. hasn't called you to do this, but what you're doing is within the realm of scripture. And that's an appropriate decision uh, to make. For a lot of you, though, who are, are, are women and you're thinking that one day I want to be a stay-at-home mom, I would strongly discourage master's degrees and, and those things because what those things do is they actually make it harder for you to stay at home because you'll have debt. Mm-hmm. So you need to be thinking, you know, do what is my lifelong goal? And if your lifelong goal is to be a stay-at-home mom, don't rack up a bunch of debt because that makes it harder To be a single family income. So you gotta be thinking ahead of time, Mm -hmm. what is the desire of my heart? Now, we don't always know because sometimes, uh, you know, kids change everything. So,
0: sure, (laughs) totally. Okay. We've got two last questions left. We're almost at an hour. Pastor Matt, can we try a speed round on you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We're going to, we're going to enter the super sport, Stephanie Schaefer, super sport speed round. We're <laughs> going to give you two minutes for each of, for this, each of these last questions. Uh, this first one, we're going to put the clock. I we're going to do, do a all little things timer. Crisis we, in <laughs> me. We, we, we believe in you. Uh, you got a timer queued <laughs> yeah. up for him, Stephanie? Yeah, all right, you here we the go.
1: there's a question, I'll start the timer.
0: All right. This question comes from Jonathan. Then you'll hear a beep for time for you to think, and then we'll get started. Okay, Jonathan says I have some newer friends Who have shared that they're having major financial trouble I've encouraged them to seek out the classes Sandal Search offers And I've been even offered for my wife and I To uh, help meet with them But it doesn't appear they're interested in seeking any help It seems like a lot of this issue is pride Any advice you can offer me To help my friend Timer Any advice you got for this guy
2: Yeah, that's super annoying <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, they're fools
0: Oh, your friends are his friends are fools. Yeah, they're
2: fools. I mean, people that don't listen to advice, that aren't willing to change anything different, and have all each, that, that. There's a word for that. There's there's fools. Hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's a couple different types of sin. I want to talk about this in the next two weeks, but our debrief listeners are going to get the jump on this. Preview. So the, the first type of sin is ignorance. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Second type of sin is ignorance, or excuse me, ignorance. And next is foolishness. You okay. do know, but don't care. And the third type is evil. Mm-hmm. So we're going to we're going to talk about that. And so the fool v- vacillates between those three ignorance foolishness and evil and so the, these individuals are not evil but they are foolish and so that's what pride is you know pride is the fool who has fallen in love with himself and not God and so clearly they they need help and they are not seeking it but you, listen to me guys you can't help people that don't want help mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if you try to help people that don't want help, guess who the fool is?
0: Uh, I was just yep. That's where you become a fool. Boom. Mm. Fifty-eight seconds.
1: Wow, dude, nice. handled,
0: handled exactly. Yeah, nailed it. All <laughs> right, we got one more question for you. This one comes from Stephanie. You want to read this one?
1: I do. It comes from Catherine, and this is actually from your sermon a few weeks ago on how to be happy when you don't when you haven't don't have enough money. She says, if a person ties takes care of his and his family's needs and has more money left, how do you determine how much to give to others' needs and how much to spend on so called extras?
0: Boom. Start the clock. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't answer it.
0: Oh, oh my sorry. goodness, is it going?
2: <laughs> Why'd you turn it off them? <laughs> there uh, Okay, you guys totally failed this.
1: Like <laughs> I, <laughs> we're trying to make it special.
0: Yeah, it's a super sport speed round. Mm-hmm. Catherine, does she spend money? How does she determine how much to spend on extras? Yeah,
2: there's not an answer for every question. Mm. I have no idea. You okay, know, she needs to get in 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 a, in a class, sit down with somebody, mm-hmm. and, and go over her specific budget. You guys, you know some of you. So, if you take the the real with self workshop, she's probably a one, mm-hmm. and uh, she's shooting all over herself. So, you're going to learn that in our in our real with self workshops. And so she,
0: just for anyone who's freaking out, should s h o u l d. Mm-hmm. Yes, I should you. be doing this. I should, I should know. Be doing this, There's no explicit tag, tag on this podcast. On this podcast. So, I know the struggle well. So, what was her name? Catherine. Catherine, Catherine you're saved
2: by grace, not by works. Must mm-hmm. any man or woman should boast and just trust God in this? It sounds like you are incredible breathe deep, enjoy the grace of God, go outside and thank Jesus for the day. Because <laughs> I, I'm guessing you are so far beyond everybody else in our church.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great.
1: Have some fun, help some people.
0: Enjoy yeah, life. enjoy life. There you go. All right. Well, that was an excellent show. And you handled that one. Boom, 58 seconds again. Okay. And that includes our goofing off time at the beginning where we were messing with your brother. That
2: includes your guys' failures. Yeah, exactly.
0: This. Exactly. You want to mentally quit or just mentally fire us?
2: No. I don't, I don't want to mentally fire anyone today.
0: Right, sounds good. Well, good we, we appreciate that, dude. All <laughs> of us are living by grace. All of us are living by grace. Amen. Well, there it is. That is all we got for the topic of money so far. If you've got questions about answers to questions, you can send those in. We'll hit them with some follow-up in the future. Uh, you can send those questions in to us at debrief.show. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatevs. We'll take your questions however you got them.
1: That's right. And you can check out the show notes for this show at debrief.show slash 78. We'll throw up the link to where to find our finances class. Finance classes, we'll throw up some links to some of the things that Pastor Matt talked about. We'll have the link to the sermon. You can watch this episode on YouTube. We'll have the link there too. Everything you could possibly need Related to this show, debrief.show slash 77. Oh my gosh, I was wrong.
0: Exactly. And all of those of you who want to go beyond that tithe and uh, give a little, gen- go deep into your generosity and support what Sandal Search is doing here on the debrief show. You can do that by texting give debrief to 951 900 That's give debrief to 951-900-4120. Every single week you guys do that. It is awesome. I yeah, appreciate. let me say something
2: real quick on that. So my grandma died last year. She was 91 years old, uh, became a Christian probably in her 40s. So she lived for Jesus for 50 years. When she died last year, she wanted a certain percentage of her income given to the church. And my mom actually decided to give, I think she gave us like 2,500 mm-hmm. bucks from her estate. And, to support the debrief. And my grandma was very poor. She didn't have a lot. And so, I mean, I, I think when they sold her house, they sold it for like $80,000. Mm-hmm. It was not a lot of money. Yeah. So she wasn't very wealthy, but you know- Still more live ever given to the but church one time. Some of you guys are being blessed right now in your car by a woman named Jan- Janelle Estes that you'll never meet. And yet mm-hmm. her life is blessing you because of her generosity and her desire to honor God in her death. And so anyways, I just want to give a shout out to my grandma. I know she's in heaven. Yes. and uh,
0: Exactly. Producer Kelly, wherever you are right now, just put your hand on that audio content. processing thing that uh, <laughs> Pastor Matt's grandma paid for. And uh, you guys just know right now, Producers Kelly's hands are producing... Are- showing love to that thing. That's right. And if you have want to
1: learn more about how to give here at Sandals Church, including estate giving, if you go to sandalschurch.com give, we've got a bunch of information on there on how to automate your giving and who to contact if you want to talk through, you know, what it looks like to give stuff long-term. Uh, we've got people here who would love to help you figure that out. So go to sandalschurch.com give. There's a lot of great resources on there too that you may not know about.
0: Boom.